Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker, and I am delighted that this entire conversation about adulting was inspired by a children's book that I'm sure all of us grew up with. Yeah, I must have read that one a million times, first as a kid, later as a parent. Who knew that it held the secret to understanding the second half of life? (laughs) Okay, get comfy, friends. Here we go. So the hungry caterpillar is making an appearance (laughs) on this podcast. That is how we ended the conversation last week, referencing the famous children's book that you all probably have read a million times if you have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or you babysit about the caterpillar that eats his way through all of this food. I remember as a child just being like, oh, yeah, like that. appeal. (laughs) Everything he ate appealed to me (laughs) and then has a stomach ache and then is a cocoon and then becomes a butterfly. And Christy brought it up right at the end of last week's conversation because we were talking about that stage of becoming. This is a two-part conversation where we talk about sort of the first half of life where you're becoming and then the second half of life where I don't know if you can say you've become. (laughs) I don't know if that's fair, but that's sort of how we're thinking about it. And I just, I couldn't stop thinking about that story of the hungry caterpillar because part of what's so interesting about our society when you think about have I become yet, like have I arrived, is because we live in a relentlessly hungry society that will tell you you are not full. And even if you are full, here's one more thing you need to eat or acquire or paint or make or craft or educate or like we literally live in a society that does not believe in the concept of full. And I think that is an interesting place to begin the conversation about what does it mean to get to a place in your life where maybe you you are full. You're not just empty anymore. You're not trying to become. You're not trying to try out all these different hats of who you're going to be. You have arrived at a place where you experience a sense of fullness. Um, I'm really interested in this conversation. Yeah, I, I remember the hunger, Lisa Joe. I think um, it'll look different from each of us, but you know, particularly for me, I was hungry for children and I was a woman who was dealing with infertility. So, wow, I was hungry. <laughs> um, and I was hungry to, you know, complete certain things I'd set out to do, like the PhD. I also remember, you know, our time before we came here to Pennsylvania and Florida, I think of that as a really empty time where we started to hunger for like new ways of living, new dreams. And it was the hunger and the emptiness um, where I first heard God really saying, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And now, um, even though, you know, these 10 years that we've been here in Pennsylvania, it's not as if it's been all like hunky-dory, like nothing bad has ever happened. We've been happy every day. No, of course not. It is still life. Like there are highs, there are lows. It is absolutely still the full package. Underneath it all, though, for me, has been a sense of arrival and fullness and contentment. I'm, you know, I may hunger in small ways, but not that I'm not defined by my hunger the way I feel like I was there. So, Lisa Joe, John and I have been talking about this lately, and I realize we've been talking about it for a reason that you don't even know about this crazy thing has happened in our lives. It is so crazy. And you don't even know about it because I think it happened right before you went to South Africa and we were, you know, busy just recording podcasts. And then you you, you were busy finishing your book. And now I've been busy finishing a book. And so this enormous 
thing you don't even know of? <laughs> I'm like, wait, enormous. So it's not building a house. It's not a construction thing. It's not. Okay. A- I don't know. Maybe enormous is not the right. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me what the right word for it is. But so right before we hit record listeners, I said to Lisa Joe, I said, wait, I need to, I think I need to talk about the fact that John is now a physics teacher. And you said, <laughs> what? Like, wait, what? What is happening? That is bigger than a house. He's a physics person. Like on so many levels, I don't know where to begin to pick apart the statement because I don't even know John knew physics. So I'm like, how is he? Let alone being a teacher, he's a physics teacher. Like I know he's like an engineer, but really, okay. Let's rewind. So what? So in November, so our son um, is a junior in high school. He is in AP Physics. Um, if you're not here in the U.S., AP Physics is, it's just like a, it's like a, it's a class you can take in high school that if you perform well in a test at the end of it, you can potentially get college credit. So it's like the most advanced high school physics. Um, so he's in this class. And so we were, um, because he's in this class, we found out right away that there was an issue with his teacher in the fall and his teacher had to step down immediately, like very quickly. So um, all of a sudden, his school, and it's a smaller school, had no physics teacher and had no had no one. Um, there were other classes as well that this teacher was teaching, but but in particular, had no one now to guide these students through this college credit course. And they're signed up and they're expecting to learn physics in order to pass this test um, to get college credit. So it was a, a big deal that all of a sudden they had no teacher. And it's physics, right? So you can't just like find a substitute to come in and teach college level physics. So we got this email and Jonathan, being Jonathan, like, you know, being a seven, he's like, more things I could do. Exactly. (laughs) He, John, who's never full. (laughs) He just dashed off an email and said, Did he talk to you first? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. He dashed off an email and said, ooh, uh, you know, this is serious. I can understand it's it's probably going to be hard to find a replacement quickly. If you need someone to step in for a while, um, I'd be willing to do it. Uh, So for those who don't know, my husband's background is chemical engineering. So, you know, he has a science background. He's a smart guy. Um, fun fact, you know this, Lisa Joe. He was the valedictorian of our high school in his graduating year. I did not year. know that. I'm yes, not surprised he was. at all, but I did not know that. Yes. No, he he was number one out of a class of like 450 students. So, he, yeah, he's a smart guy. That's so, fine. Some, so some he, things are making sense He is now. not a physicist. <laughs> he has not studied physics since college. But again, math and science, he enjoys. They're kind of his thing. So, he said, hey, I'd be willing. You know, I have a flexible work schedule. I work from home. Um, I can, I'd be willing to step in, you know, to help out. Is it five days a week? So <laughs> I'm like, so like, I mean, he has a full-time job. I mean, I realize it's from I home, know. but wow. I know, I know, I know. Um, so the response, which I think, I think it was like late at night. And then I think the next morning he told me about it. And I said, Jonathan, you realize they are going to take you up on that. Like they, they need someone. Anyhow, yes, long story short, they took him up on that. And so he stepped in in November just to teach the three sections of physics. So he's teaching like an honors physics and AP physics and like a college prep physics. Um, he does not go in every day. They, he, he plans it so that he can go in three mornings a week. 
and then set them up on labs and things. And then they have a substitute who kind of helps them complete the work when Jonathan isn't there. Um, and so, yeah, so they really worked with him to come up with a very flexible, fluid situation, knowing that, yes, he has work. <laughs> um, the school as well is very close to our home, super easy to access. And so this this part is interesting. He This all happened so quickly that he did not tell Thaddeus. Oh, <gasps> his son. Our son in the, in the physics class. Wait. That he would shortly be joining the class as the teacher. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Instead, did he just show up? He just no, showed he up. Didn't. No, <laughs> he didn't. No, he did not. Oh, <gasps> no. <laughs> so this is the other thing about Jonathan. I mean, he just loves, he loves surprises and, and gifts and presents. And he's not super good at keeping a secret. So I think if there had been a longer timeline, he would he would have burst. He would not have been able to hold back. Um, but he just wanted to surprise Thaddeus. And I knew, you know, I knew it had... A chance of going badly. <laughs> but we understand our son's personality. And I thought, you know, there's a good chance. He's chill. He's It'd be different he, if he it was Bo, dad. I feel like. I think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I think we would have given our younger son ample, ample preparation. Time to process in private. <laughs> right, right. But I felt like, you know, you know, I had time to nix it and I didn't. I said, you know, if that's what you want to do, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think it'll be okay. And and it was. Thaddeus was surprised. And and this whole situation that, you know, has the potential to not be great, right? I mean, he's a teenager in his own world, his own social environment, and he needs to learn physics. And yes, but, you know, it, it could have not been great. It has been so great, Lisa oh. Jo. Um, Jonathan loves kids, and he loves teaching. He loves new things. He loves new challenges. And he loves teaching these kids. Wow. Um, He's having so much fun. And I think the kids, from what I'm hearing from him and from Thaddeus, um, I think they have really responded to him. I think the fact that he's not a full-time teacher, you know, he can bring some energy to the classroom and and he can have fun with it. There's less pressure on him to do everything by the book because this is kind of an emergency situation. Right. And, and so um, I think it's easier for him than it, it might be for other teachers who, who are managing this as really a full-time career to just be fun and to keep it light for the kids because it is physics. Physics, physics is tough. Um, anyway, so it's been a great, great experience. But you know, predictably, um, it's gone on longer, right? It, this was not like a two-week commitment. That was November. We're now going into February. Yeah, and when I think did the most class, likely? He'll, when did the class end? Like, was I it, think he'll be doing it through the rest of the school year. I think it's it's just really difficult to find a physics teacher and then to find one in the middle of a year is extra difficult. So I, I think we're just assuming that he will do it all the way until the exam. Well, really through the year because he has the regular classes as well, but um, at least get the AP kids through their exam in May, early May, I think. So, um, so this has been a big rearranging of our lives. As I record now, you know, Jonathan is is over at the school teaching physics. He's not home. And, you know, I had to tell him like, okay, before you go, like, make sure the dog goes out because I'm going to record with Lisa Joe, and no one will be here, you know, to take the dog out if you're in the classroom. And he's had to learn how to take the kids out on like um, fire drills and stuff. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, the reason I'm sharing this whole huge crazy story about Jonathan teaching physics is this. And this is where we get back to being hungry 
and just deci- and trying to figure out like what is enough. So, um, you know, Jonathan is a businessman, and a big part of his work is pursuing new contacts and new clients and bringing in business and so on. And you know. And, and that's the kind of work that you can always do more of. You can always be doing more, making more calls and, and connecting with more people and going to more meetings and trade shows, and et cetera. You can always do more. But he's he's made this commitment to these three physics classes. And um, and so he's we've been having a lot of conversations about what does it look like to, to just kind of rest into your commitment and let go of that pressure to do more in other areas and to not be afraid or worried, to not be constantly every day saying, well, should I keep working through the night in order to do more over here? Because, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go teach physics. And and so every day, John's just really been processing, what does it look like to just say, hey, in this season, I'm doing something that is not about making money. It's not about building my career. But I get to be with my son teaching him physics three days a week. I'm getting to know the school and the teachers and the administrators. He's also um, in another funny story that the teacher who's been assigned to him to help as the sub is also our other son's algebra teacher. So, um, and our son has needed some help with algebra this year. And so John has this like in with the teacher and is able to talk with her and find out like, how can we help our other son at home? Like, it's just a crazy cool situation, but it means every day John is sort of having to let go of any sense of like, oh, I should be building my business, my career, I should be out there finding more clients, and instead say, nope, right now, I'm just receiving this as a good thing. Um, It's a temporary thing. It's a good thing, and I'm going to let it be enough. (laughs) I'm going to be content, and I'm going to kind of let go for a season of the hunger to grow a career and to grow a business and to, you know, secure income and all of that that is normally a part of like a a businessman's life, a business person's life. Um, But it's got me thinking too, like what in my life, you know, how do I, how do I recognize when enough when I have it? Because you're right. Everything in our culture is, is saying you never have enough. I mean, that's a big part of living in a, in a consumerist society. Like every message we receive is saying you are not enough. You don't have enough. (laughs) You need to do more, be more, buy more, eat more, consume more, always more, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, I look forward to chatting with John about what it's like to teach teenagers. (laughs) I love that so much because that's a step that really isn't about uh, accumulating anything more materially. It's not about growing your reputation. It's not about more financial security or growing your business. It really is about saying, as someone who has become, like someone who knows who they are, like, how do I give something away? Like, it really is about giving away, right? Not about gathering up for yourself. And I think often about, sometimes I've worried, like, I think hunger is such a great way to describe it, because I remember those years of being hungry, like pursuing law school and pursuing opportunities overseas and uh, pursuing great jobs or speaking or book deals, like always, like I was so hungry for the next thing. Like, how do I grow this? How do I get invited to that? Why didn't they invite me to that? Like, you know, like that constant feeling. And now mostly I just feel like relief not to be invited to things or almost like, please don't invite me. Like, I just want to stay here at home. And Sometimes I've felt worried that I don't have a hunger, and I think I haven't really had words for it until now. And uh, and maybe I don't have like a generalized hunger, which is sort of reminds me of there's a great scene 
I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's called 17 Again, where Zac Efron, he is, there's the premise is one of those Freaky Friday type movies. Like there's an adult man and his wife and they are having problems. And then the, 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 the husband through some magic becomes his 17 year old self again. He's like this fit 17 year old playing on the varsity basketball team. And anyway, there's this great scene. It's kind of like the movie big where his friend who is still an adult comes in and the 17 year old version of this dad is sitting with the entire contents of the fridge out on the the table in front of him and he is just consuming everything and it's disgusting like he's like squirting cheese whiz like directly into his mouth and his friend is like what are you doing and the guy the dad who's in the body of a 17 year old is like i don't know what's happening i'm just hungry all the time i just cannot get enough food into my body And I just think like there is a season of life that's like that for us with opportunity. Like I just can't get enough. Like I'm so hungry all the time. And now I'm in a season where I don't feel that way anymore. And I've wondered, is there something wrong with me? And in having this conversation, I realized, no, that would be unhealthy. Like as a nearly 50-year-old woman to just be hungry and stuffing myself all the time with actual food. Well, it goes the same for life, you know, like instead I have a great greater sense of like where I'm called to be and the work that I really love. And it's why sort of like in our last conversation, we talked about when it comes to acts of creativity or of a sense of becoming, they're much more focused and targeted now, like deeper work that lasts longer in very specific areas rather than just trying to consume everything. There's a sense in which this is the food that I eat, that I offer other people when they come into my home, whether it's my online home or my actual home or the books I write. And um, and so it's good. It is a good thing to get to a point where you feel full. Like, it's not that you're lazy or you're not creative or you don't have new opportunities. Instead, it's actually a sign of maturity. <laughs> like you, you're getting to a place where you recognize what it means to be full and you aren't pushing past it. Um, and instead, I think that fullness allows overflow, like what you see from John then there's abundance left over. There's a sense in which you're full up. And so you can give to others, like you have abundance to give away. And it made me think of this verse in scripture that's really beautiful. It comes from Ephesians. And it says here at the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he's a letter, of course, being written to this church. And it's interesting because the verse that follows it is the one that we've all heard a million times. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than we ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory. Like, I've heard that a million times growing up, but what's interesting is what precedes it. So, this verse about fullness, like the whole paragraph, is actually saying this. It's a sense in which it is humbling ourselves who we are and being filled with something other than ourselves. And it says, starting in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the richness of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded, right? Those are great words for the stage of life. In love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
And when I think about that, I think what a relief, like what a relief that I'm not being filled with myself. I'm not being filled with my wants, my desires, the goals I have for myself, but I am being filled with this massively overwhelming love of Christ, this knowledge that fills me. And so I think when we think about the second half of our life, and of course that fullness can apply to all the stages, right? But being in a place where we're more settled and less hungry is a welcome, like it's a welcome relief to arrive at a place where I'm not trying to constantly assuage like a hunger in me and instead can lean into a fullness and 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 it gives me a strength to be able to say to all the messages around me, no, like it's enough. Like I don't, I don't need that extra thing you think I need in my life. Like I, I am full, like I'm not hungry, I'm full. Yeah, I find it easier, if that's the right word, or more natural in this place, in this stage to really relish ordinary life. And so I'm going to kind of bring it back to, um, bring it back to our our podcast title and topic, Ordinary Life, because I think I think when we're less, we're feeling less driven, less voraciously hungry, and also we are watching, we have seen time pass. We have watched our children grow up, or our nieces and nephews grow up, and nothing marks time like kids, right? Like, oh my gosh, that young woman was a baby at church, and now she's, you know, getting married here, or whatever it is for you that you realize, like, oh my gosh, time has passed, looking through old photos, whatever it is. Like, we've seen time passing, and we're feeling more settled. And I don't know about you, Lisa Joe. I just feel like more able and and even a kind of a longing to just really relish the day-to-day <laughs> in a way that is more challenging when you are striving, when you're caring for young children, when you're in school, you know, all those, you know, all those things like that's day-to-day life can just, you know, frankly be pretty hard, pretty exhausting. Um, And I'm not saying it never is now, but I think now there is a spaciousness, for instance, for John to say, I'm just going to relish doing algebra homework with Bo, doing physics homework with Thad, showing up for these kids. It's this temporary thing, but it's a sweet thing. And it's just this season of ordinary life. I, I feel that too. And um, I feel like like in Scripture, maybe the pairing I would make. So in Christ, we have this rootedness, this groundedness. We're, we're filled to overflowing. And I think I've shared on the podcast recently, I in the fall, I think, w- was reading through the book of um, Ecclesiastes. And, you know, we, we can think of that as being um, kind of a depressing book, like <laughs> meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. But what I was finding in those scriptures was a, a real acknowledgement of just the sweet pleasures of ordinary life, eating, drinking, time with friends, like sunrises, sunsets, sunrises, sunsets. It can sound tedious, or if you're in this kind of second place, it just sounds like a gift. Like, here is another gift, another ordinary day where I don't have to become, I don't have to build a rocket to the moon. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to, it's not all about me. That's something you said earlier. It is not all about me, which takes so much pressure off which means I can enjoy the time I still have with my kids who are still at home. I can just enjoy my cup of coffee in the morning. I just find that without that pressure to find purpose, we talked about that last week, that purpose anxiety, 
Um, and without the, dr- the constant driving towards something, there is just a real sweetness and enjoyment in the everyday that frankly is a lot harder. Um, it's, you know, it's just a lot harder to find contentment in your morning cup of coffee when you are wondering, where will I live six months from now? Right, right. It's harder, right? And, but I, instead, I, I can now enjoy my morning cup of coffee and think, Oh, I'm really looking forward to the family reunion we'll have this summer. Or I'm really looking forward to, you know, just the whatever little simple thing. Like it's that kind of thing is just easier. And I don't know. So I guess I just want to share that. Like I'm always telling my kids, there's so much to look forward to. I know you look at mom and dad like these old people with their gray <laughs> hair and their, <laughs> you know, but there's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, you have so much to look forward to. And part of so. the beauty of that is looking forward to the becoming of our kids. So I think that's just so satisfying. Like I think our kids look at us as like, oh, well, that's it. You've, reach your dead end. And I tell them, but there's so much for us because of you. Like we get to watch you become now. Like it's so joyful to see who you're going to become and what you're going to bring into our lives and who the people are you'll join into this family with and what you'll be called to do. And that feels like this gift of the second half of life because as you become more stable and settled and full you have kids who are hungry and becoming and so you get to be a safe place they can keep coming back to you for food and laundry and advice and faith and prayer um while you're settled with your morning cup of coffee like we get to be the safe harbor the cape of good hope and and it Listen, that doesn't mean we don't have all kinds of rocky seasons of our own. I think I just came off the worst two years ever of my adult life. And and yet in the midst of it, I think part of what helped us navigate it is a sense of that we aren't ourselves still becoming. I think there's, especially in terms of faith, like there's a sense in which the faith itself has become, has become in us and that carries us through. So It was really good to have these conversations with you, Christy. I think you've helped me resolve in my own mind, too, when I worry some days that I don't have enough hunger, enough (laughs) go-get-em, you know, that worries me. And now I can just say, no, that shouldn't be a a concern. It's just a sign, sign of contentment, a sign of growth. (laughs) I'm not a 17-year-old trying to cram cheese whiz in their body anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, Lisa Joe, you are a butterfly. Oh, we went there. (laughs) You are a beautiful butterfly. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, even another metaphor might be, um, you know, the the Israelites wandered, right? That was kind of their becoming, that wandering the desert where they were really being formed into, you know, the nation of God. And then they entered the promised land. And we know afterwards, like the promised land was not all fantastic, just like you were sharing, like you've had these two really difficult years. Um, and, and so that that is absolutely a part of it. It's not like life now becomes this easy thing. Right. But they were no longer wandering. They right. were home That's in some good. sense. You know, yes. they were rooted. And it's so it's a different way of being that I find, um, again, it's not even a better or worse thing. It's just different. And it has new satisfactions. And, um, and, and it's good to, re- I don't know, it's good for me to remember now, like I'm, this is, this is promised land living. Yeah. <laughs> we are butterflies That's in the good. promised land. That's and that good. is not to say all is easy. We never cry. I mean, life continues. Sure. Absolutely. And yet it is, 
It is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now I feel like I'm trying to imagine, Lisa Joe, what kind of image or title we might have with this podcast. <laughs> we are butterflies living in the promised land. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> it's like the worst book title ever. That that's that's the definition of something that needs a lot of context in order to make sense. <laughs> but hopefully, dear listeners, we have given you that context. And I would love it if somebody made us like a Canva in, in, inspirational poster. <laughs> butterflies. <laughs> butterflies promised living land. in the promised land. <laughs> oh, man. You guys, come find us on Instagram and have this conversation with us. Join in. I'm at Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. And thank you to Abigail, the listener who sparked this whole conversation. (laughs) We are so grateful. Thank you for joining the table. Leave a review for us sometime. We'd love that too. It helps other people join the table too. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to end this without just picturing like a butterfly soaring up into the blue, blue skies accompanied by a symphony. (laughs) There we go. Let's do it. And the music fades out. (laughs) 